0: Welcome to Are We Where Yet with Johnny
1: Awesome and Tori Black. All right. All right. Welcome everybody to episode or season two, episode number four of the Are We Where Yet podcast. I'm your host, Johnny, and uh, we don't got Tori in, but we got Rigo. Say hi, Rigo. Rigo. Wake oh. up. We're on. All right, good. Rigo. Rigo's alive. <laughs> Rigo. Rigo's here. All right. And um, I want to thank our uh partners. Studio Y Yoga downtown. Go over there. You get twenty five percent off a membership, or twenty five percent off a class. They got meditation, yoga with cats. Which uh, you guys try yoga with cats? Negative. No, neither of you. All right. Terrell, never over there? I'm not a cat fan. No, not a cat fan. All right. I don't like cats. But uh, they offer that, and uh, I, I go for the meditation. It's really good. And uh, also, North End Coffee House, which is downtown Yuma, Arizona. Mention us. 10% off of your purchase or a free cookie you guys like cookies all right I
2: do I was there yesterday and I was awesome yeah awesome I Had the cold brew is really good
1: it's really good really good place so anyway um so this is episode number four and it's a special episode and so I'm going to do a little announcement and uh, how much do you weigh 160 pounds all right ladies and gentlemen talking out of this corner over here coming in at how much 160. 160 pounds. We got the pride of joy of Yuma, Arizona. Chance, Ferrar, Ferrar, Ferrar. Rego, <laughs> that was your cue. That's the worst Bruce buffer. Yeah, was no, bad. No, that was horrible. Was All bad. right. I won't do it again. But uh, anyway, oh, my headphones are going out. There we go. This is. Uh, A Great episode. I want to kind of highlight what's going on in Yuma, Arizona. You've been a big figure here in Yuma for quite some time now. I got your bio and it's a pretty incredible bio. You've reached some some heights in your life. And I we kind of crossed paths when I was being a promoter. And I think I don't remember what desert rage it was. Mm But uh, that was the first time. And how long have you have been doing the Desert Rage? And to just explain what Desert Rage was.
2: Well, I think we started it back in 2007. It's just a fight promotion, and we were focusing on, you know, building a, or having a platform for local fighters to s- essentially mature in the sport, you know, segue to bigger shows was kind of the idea, the concept for professional fighters, MMA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My so- brother and I, Ethan, who's sitting right here, and then we had a couple other guys, Justin Hale and Anthony Hale, and uh, all of us were involved, my, brother, my other brother, Logan it was just an idea and then again we just started um we just on our own essentially just figured it out through trial and error and i think we got to a place that was really there was a ton of potential and then i'm not sure if you know the history behind it we ended up getting sued by bellator and you know there was some fallout with the casinos but ultimately um it was it was very good time very successful for the the up-and-comer and fighters in this town uh, it's not something that we've completely let go of. It's just kind of been on the back burner for a while while life changes. Oh you wow, that's yeah.
1: that's interesting. That's a, that's a little bit. I did not know that.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we have family lives and things change in in your personal lives. That uh, you know, my wife, for example, doesn't doesn't particularly like me doing those things, and so I kind of dedicated more time to my own children. But that doesn't mean that we've completely let go of the potential for that uh, organization because I do see the lapse when Desiree went away that platform for the mid-level fighters to get to the next level kind of went away with it. And so I recognize that it's, I, I know that we need to bring that back in some way, shape or form in order to provide for, for these guys to, to get to, you know, again, the the big stage like Kelvin and Edgar and these other guys who have made it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I want to introduce Ethan also over here. Yeah, my bad. Ethan, who I know from the bar scene, none of those stories are going to make that it. sounds
3: really bad. None of
1: those. Well, we worked together at a bar. Yes, That's we, why. Did. Let's, yes let's, we did. Let's, let's clarify a little bit. We worked together. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a club kid or anything like no, that. No, no. We, we worked together at a bar, and we'll save those for the Howard Stern show or yeah, something when we do that. That yeah. would be more appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Except we could talk about that handstand you would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, a little, was a, that was a cool little, little trick. A little
3: gymnastics background didn't help or didn't hurt, I yeah. should say. Yeah. It,
1: it was like all the ladies would leave the guys they were with and all flood to the bar and watch this guy do a handstand. It was, it was pretty good. So.
3: Yeah, it's, a, it's an obscure talent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, so let, let's go back a little bit further then. I just wanted to say that's how we cross paths, but you've been wrestling for how long? Since I was in junior high. Junior since high, you what?
2: were five, dude. You were <laughs> five. Yeah, my brother and I, we were fighting since we were kids. No, so.
3: We went to Kofa High School when we were five years old. Our no, cousin. We
2: were seven or eight. My dad was looking at the newspaper and he's like, Boys. And my, mm-hmm. my brother, Ethan and Logan, and we all, Boys, you guys want to play soccer or wrestle? And in unison, so we're like, Soccer. He's like, Get in the truck. He takes us down to Kofa High School. Drops us off. We walk in. It's wrestling practice, and then we started wrestling. And we did a little camp for a week, and then we went to a tournament. But then we didn't wrestle again until we were in junior high. So that's that's, that's that a is clarification. True. That is true. So my dad tricked us. We wanted to play soccer. Bastard took us to wrestling practice.
1: <laughs> and uh, no regrets, though, right? Of course not. No regrets. I mean, without
2: wrestling, I never would have you know done anything that I was, mm-hmm. cap- you know, again, going to college. All these things were afforded to me, opportunities, because I wrestled. That,
1: that's a... That, funny trick but it turned out to you know prosper in your life and make you who you are today. Absolutely. Um so then junior high what what happened then?
2: Well my brother started a crane wrestling. He was uh you know pretty much a superstar from the very beginning. He was the most talented of all of us athletically and so and we're talking about you right my brother Ethan. yeah right. and okay. so mr nobody yeah. no, no that's great no <laughs> yeah. I, that's awesome this guy can dunk that. a volleyball he could do everything you know he was he was faster than us he, and my, my brother logan and i we were still the fastest of our class but we could never you know beat our older brother Ethan in pretty much anything physically and so then he was the first wrestler and then we all just kind of you know followed his footsteps, mm-hmm. um, just he stopped wrestling when he got into high school. But he was a two, I was a sissy, he was undefeated all through junior high, nobody could beat him.
1: So, uh, you did have a little bit of a career there going on in junior high, and but you stopped in high school. Why'd you stop, Ethan? That's a signs. whole nother story. Okay. I, I was
3: a little dude, like yeah. super little. When I was a freshman in high school, I was four foot ten, 84 pounds the lightest weight in high school was 103 at that time so, so you
1: didn't even reach the the, the lightweight huh? I, they
3: they i went out my freshman year i went out for it because like he said i mean i was pretty good at it but i didn't have the dedication that that this guy had but see he was always dedicated to beating me and i had nobody ahead of me so i didn't i didn't care it was easy Very for true. me it was mm-hmm. easy sports were easy for me then you know we Grew up gymnasts. Our mom, I don't know, like if you know the backstory. I,
1: I actually went to your mom's uh, program back when I was a little kid, so okay, uh, I did I mean, gymnastics. All long, right, long story Gandalfo short, building, right? Yeah, yeah, the old yeah. Godolfo building, yeah. yeah.
3: But long story short, our parents, my our mother and father, were like super athletes in high school. Yeah, they're so both they track were, stars. They, they were track stars. Dad played three sports, you know, tr- pole vault, track. Yeah, he's a quarterback, quarterback, and, and the point and guard, and the point guard of the basketball yeah. team. I mean, he was a stud. My mom was also a stud in her own right, dancing, gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways, we were taught sports and movement and physical, you know, type things were ingrained in us from the time we were born. I mean, we were in gymnastics at two and a half, three years old. So all that kind of thing translates into good body awareness, coordination, strength, you know, you get different kind of muscles than other people have because you're always doing physical activity. But anyways, go back to the story is... Sports were easy for me because of that. and uh, But I didn't have the mental part of it because I didn't have to develop. You know, I could beat everyone
1: without trying. It was too easy for yeah. me. There was yeah. no challenge. But you had a challenge because right. you wanted to beat him. Exactly. exactly. So then you were able to develop that mentality of like, okay, now I got a goal. I got somebody I could picture in my mind taking down. And that helped develop you as a wrestler. And you stuck with it past junior high. Went to uh, Yuma High, mm-hmm. where you became, uh, f- what was that, 5A yeah, state championship? Yeah, it's
2: just a big school state championship, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Got a scholarship from there and went to, where'd you go from and there? In
2: Riddle Aeronautical University. It's a, it's a private school, very prestigious private school, engineering, aer- aerospace studies, aeronautical engineering. Or excuse, yeah, aerospace engineering. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I didn't major in that. I majored in uh, science and technology, which again it's a, it's a basically a quasi political science major
1: okay mm. but um still wrestling obviously you went on a wrestling scholarship right i, I, I assume mm-hmm. i did okay and then um you at what point did you see this as like a career or something that you wanted to do and take professional
2: as far as mma is concerned? mma yeah wrestling. so when i graduated from college and i i you know i was a national champion in, in the nai wrestling in college and then uh I joined the Board of Patrol. I moved to San Diego. And at that time, I didn't know what Jiu-Jitsu was, although we had been doing, choking each other in the in our room, you know, mm-hmm. watching Ken Shamrock and Hoyce Gracie, but never formally trained in Jiu-Jitsu. And when I moved to San Diego, it was kind of the mecca for MMA at the time, so I was very fortunate to kind of fall into that. What,
1: what year is this?
2: This is in and. Like 1, 2, 2002. Okay. And then uh, at that time, I I joined a jiu-jitsu club, which at the time was probably, you know, one of the more prestigious places in San Diego. I didn't know that. I, you know, I had a very strong wrestling background, so I stood out. I didn't know it, but I was training with legends. You know, Jocko Willink, Dean Lister, you know, world multiple time world champion. <laughs> Jocko Willink was, you know, just a guy in the room. He was a black belt. He was a mentor, you know, kind of a real-life comic book character. But these were guys that I was around every day training and we were all buddies. And uh, so I just happened to be surrounded by legends and, and uh, you know, found myself very fortunate and essentially carved out my own path in that environment. And I was the king of the little guys, you know, there was professional fighters in there that I walked in there and was beating the shit out of in a couple of weeks time. I mean, I always knew I could fight. I, my brothers and I, we always could fight. We were just like my brother said, we were athletes and we were uh, skilled in, in that regard. And, and so when I made that transition, I think it was easy for me, and I enjoyed it. And so that's kind of when I started beating up all these pros. I said, hey, maybe I should uh, fight.
1: Yeah, so you, you were able to go um, through the opportunity you had in San Diego to face some of these. It gave you that courage to yeah. say, you know what? I got what it takes. Right. I, I could do what they're doing.
2: Right, and then, then the segue is that they, the show in San Diego somehow sh- had a total combat. They, opened a sh- they wanted to have a show in Yuma. And then through the circuit, they're like, there's a guy from Yuma that trains there and you want to fight. And I was like, let's do it. And that's pretty much how it went down.
1: Total combat. That was the first to come to Yuma to put on an event.
2: Right. And that's why, you know, I can say I'm the first professional fighter at a Yuma because that is the first sanctioned professional fight that a Yuma athlete actually fought in. And that was in 2005, I believe.
1: Okay. That's 2005. And um, how quickly, because you fought for a title in the WEC. Right. Two years later. Two years later after that is when you had that chance. Correct. Um, yeah, and
2: I was only a fight-fight pro. You know, I didn't really – I wasn't a very experienced fighter. And it was the same thing. I think I was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Maybe I was I, – I wasn't, I wasn't on the level. Um, you know, obviously looking back now, I can be honest about it. I, I didn't I, – there was a lot of gaps in my – you know, in my in – my, <laughs> let's just call it in my skill sets. I, I did have some gaps. I, and, again, as being a coach now, I recognize that. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, mentally and physically I was – there to win for sure but things didn't work out
1: yeah we'll get to that we'll we'll talk about that the the fight a little bit later but um so in the meantime where are you training at just in san diego between those two years before your first big fight
2: yeah i mean i was always kind of a gym rat um similar to when i was in high school you know i would just drive around town because UMO is a very tough wrestling town, and I'd find the best guys and I'd wrestle them. And I would do the same thing in San Diego. I'd, tr- I'd travel around to the gyms and I'd just fight everybody I could. You know, Dominic Cruz, multiple time world champion, I'd beat the shit out of him many times. You know, just going to different gyms. Ethan's
1: and- shaking his head. You did it. I know you I did. did. Terrell? Him absolutely it's the same thing with beat with, him like a drum with
2: Fa- faber's guys would come down and i'd beat the shit out of them and they're like you're gonna kick his ass and then you know then dominic got beat by Faber, and then so the natural segue is like let's throw our guy at him and i was the guy you know i only had five pro fights but i was i was supposed to win that fight everyone who knew me knew i could win that fight
1: this is going to be easy easy for chances he got it
2: not easy of course i mean it's your eye Faber and he, he definitely had a good reputation but i was the guy to beat him i should have beat him and uh, i didn't so that's it um I have to live with it. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. So like I said, we're okay, let's just go to that one. Cause I remember when uh, hearing about you fighting and uh, I think, I don't remember the channel it was like versus or something maybe. Uh, I think that so. Fight. Yeah. It was on
2: versus the WC was on versus. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I didn't have the channel. And I remember talking to my wife, like, Hey, we got to get this package. Cause it was a sports package or something and yeah. to be able to watch that fight. And I watched it at home and uh ended up my cable bill went up because of you but that's cool with it i watched it and it was a it was a good fight and you, you did really. pretty good in not it. not
2: really not really you know like i said i think i panicked in the fight somewhere in there i got a little little uh you know jaded and and lost lost sight of what i was doing i feel you know just trying to be um somewhat uh, realistic about it i was i think i was inexperienced i made inexperienced decisions and you know the results are um he's the champ so there you go at that time of course
1: so the, the WEC, that's before obviously UFC ended up buying the WEC. Right. So did you have a contract with the WEC? So it wasn't just a one and done fight, right? Right,
2: exactly. And so then I was going to come back, and of course, thought I should, but nevertheless, end up getting beat by a guy named Micah Miller. Which uh, this is just one of these things that uh, I was a lot. What I, you know, looking back at myself as an athlete, I was just a lot better in the training room. Like nobody could beat me in the training room. I kicked the shit out of everybody. Um, and then come to the fights, I'd get beat by these guys. You know? Is it the lights? I, I'm not sure. I, maybe I, maybe there is some like psychological some stage things, fright.
1: in, in Perhaps, a sense? but
2: I mean, uh, not. I going into the fights, I never th- thought for a second I could get beat until I got beat every single time. I I just so I don't feel like I was scared. I was actually not never nervous to fight. Mm-hmm. Only a couple of times. Um, you know, bothered by other things, but never really nervous to fight. I think the fighting part was easy for me. Uh, I've been fighting my whole life, and walking in there, once the fight starts, it's on. I don't even—I'm not worried about that. It's other things that bother me, but you know.
1: Um, From the outside looking in, Ethan, what do what do you think it was? Well, I mean, there's
3: a few things. Like he said, um, you know, these other guys are training to fight full time. I mean, that was their job. That's what they were doing. They didn't have other things in their life. I mean, Chance was already. A fam- early family man, he had a full time job. Yeah, I'm working as ten a hours. A day agent, on the border. You know I, I mean? work
2: I walk I I'm chasing down illegals and then three days later I'm fighting Faber in Vegas. And that's no joke. You know, I'm working ten hour days training at night and then going and fighting. This guy's training full time
1: sleeping in the gym. No, exactly. Yeah.
2: And again, that doesn't it's it's an excuse, but it also is, is reality and I do appreciate you pointing that out because that is really the reality of that situation at that time and that's why as coaches I'm like if you're gonna be a fighter You need to dedicate yourself to this full-time.
1: So that's what you tell your guys now. Absolutely. And and that was
2: the problem.
3: Fighting was his hobby. It wasn't his lifestyle. And these other guys, it is their lifestyle. So like he said earlier, he alluded to earlier, is they were a little bit more well-rounded than him in their skill sets. He had a few holes, but physically, he was better than all of them. Mentally, he was stronger than all of them. It was just those little inner facets of the MMA game that at that time – he, it wasn't fluid for him yet like it would be for someone who's in the gym 60, 80 hours a week. You know, he's in the gym for 10, 20 hours because he's working 50, 60 hours and then he's got 20, 30 hours with his family. I mean, what's he going to do? Yeah,
1: I don't think anybody would be able to go no. at that point. No,
3: but you know. he, you know, that to me, you know, and I obviously I'm biased, but none of those guys are were, were or are as gifted athlete as Chance was. I mean, mm. do you talk about sheer aggression, Power, strength, speed, tenacity, mental toughness. I mean, he's, he's the best. And I know because, you know, I mean, I fought this guy basically every day of my life. <laughs> you know, and he's 10 months younger than me. You know how embarrassing it is to get your ass kicked by your little brother? 10 months? Is that even
2: possible?
1: That, Irish that, twins, help huh? yeah, that's, that's, that's me. Come on, that. homie. <laughs> Come on. Okay, so um, so these guys are living in the gym. You're working. You got a family. You're, but you're still facing these guys. So that t- does say something about your mental character to be able to go in there and still want to take these guys on. Correct.
2: You know, at this point, it just sounds like I'm making you know excuses. I, but we're just kind of, re- I'm just giving the totality of how it was at that time. And I, I'm not again. It's you, not. An ex- I, had no, you've never made I had opportunities. I had opportunities. And uh, I didn't capitalize on them, and that's you know that's the long and short of it. But what I did do is I learned from all of these experiences to be, I feel, a better coach and to reveal to young fighters you know, all these different dynamics of things that could potentially go wrong for you if you don't address these.
1: And that's definitely something I want to touch on later yeah. as well because it kind of molded you and made you the man you are today, which is a, you, you are currently a corner man for Kelvin Gastelum, right. who is eyeing a title in 2019. Yes. So um, you're able to, through your experiences of what to do and what not to do, Give him that, correct? I, I like to think so. Yeah. So without a doubt, without a doubt. So yeah. we'll, we'll get to that a Just little bit. A
0: simple fact of him understanding and even hearing, like talking to Calvin privately, him even knowing, like Chance has had the shot. You don't want that to happen. You know what I mean? That you got a title shot now.
1: You can talk in that mic we'll right take, there, we'll
0: Carol. Take full advantage of your opportunity, or else you don't know if you're ever going to get that title shot again.
1: Mm-hmm. So those are Rhett, things that he
0: yeah. knows that from him watching Chance have that opportunity and knowing about it he goes back kelvin tell me he watches that fight frequently
2: and i can talk personally about the pain when you when you cuz i always thought that i was the best i always thought you know that i would be the world champ at some point mm-hmm. even before i knew that i was going to be a fighter i you know i was trying to be the world champion in wrestling without even having training partners just training on my own here in yuma like that's just the type of person that I was, and uh, so long story short, is I'm able to speak firsthand to guys like Kelvin the fact that this pain never goes away for mm-hmm. people like us, and he is like me. People like us, it will never go away unless you accomplish what you want to. Still hurts me to talk about it. You know, I don't so, like talking
1: about. it. So okay, so we'll, we'll move on. Let's keep talking yeah. about <laughs> terrell my, to keep my going. dog died too let's talk about that i am so glad you brought terrell no, that just man. put a smile on my face this morning <laughs> and you saw it and it was a genuine smile that's
2: why terrell and i coach together because we're we're opposites he's the very, yin and yang or what yeah, absolutely 100% yin and yang and, and very very critical piece of the puzzle and terrell's also obviously a corner yeah. man he's been brains Balls, They're brains, <laughs> balls. Uh, I, I Terrell like has
1: it. no balls. That's good. Yeah. My,
2: right but he's got here. lots of brains. He's a eunuch. I think it's a eunuch. Terrell. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. um, Straty, Straty. It didn't work out in my singing career,
1: though. Rego, can you turn my mic up just a little bit, bud? Just a, okay. Um, oh, there you go. Good to go. Um, also, so let's let's move forward a little bit and um, let's talk about how you created YU MMA, which is a gym in town. Turn it down a little bit, bud. Just a little bit. Okay, good. Why YUMMA, it's a gym in town. That came, obviously, it sounds like out of a necessity to be able to house these fighters that are now fighting in the um, Desert Rage at that time. Is that kind of how it came together or right? It more to I mean, to originally
2: it? it was Arizona Athletic Club, and there was a little fallout with some of the other people involved okay, so- a bit. And then we then we morphed into United. And that was, of course, that was out of necessity to keep going what we already had going, which is the stable of fighters that needed a place to train that we needed to continue on in that process and
1: so sure. So okay, I forgot about that. The Arizona Athletic Club, right. that was over at the um, the old mall. Right. mall at, yeah. at the time. So um so you you had that as that was going on at the, the same time as Desert Rage. Correct. And you were a matchmaker, correct? I, I
3: actually did. I I did all most of the matchmaking. I can't all say all of, of it, but uh, you did all of I did a lot of the matchmaking, and you know, at the time, I didn't know what the hell I was doing.
1: Right, because I'm, I'm trying to think about this thing, and you got this uh, new entity, Desert Rage. You've obviously had your brothers fought in some some uh, um, cage matches before. Who are you calling to enter the ring? You're calling your buddies, the people that you know can scrap. Like, who are you saying, like, get in the ring? <laughs>
3: Sometimes. No, the funny thing is that occasionally, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, there was there were a few times there were a few. Because he did Total Combat, Mm -hmm. I was kind of involved with it, you know, supporting him. So, you know, I would hang out with their people. uh, What was her name? Diana and... uh,
2: Yeah, but we had the connections in San Diego. Anyways, we had
3: connections in San Diego. Then we would find people that had clubs or, you know, fight clubs Mm -hmm. or jujitsu clubs or whatever around the state. And then you just put out feelers. And once you have a fight promotion like that, I mean... We had a website, so they'd start emailing us. Hey, I want to fight on your show. I want to fight on your show. And then it was about vetting them. You know, is this guy just some dude that messes around in his garage? Does he have a record? Is there any video on him? Is there any, you know, what do I know about this guy? Does he have word of mouth? And then
2: this this is the level to which the loyalty and the people we reach out to. So one of the shows, we were getting sued by Bellator. We came up with this two-on-two fight idea that was kept falling through. But this was a concept that I was getting ridiculed online. I I was getting calls from, you know, Sure Dog and MMA fighting. What the hell are you guys doing to the MMA scene? Two on two. Right, but ultimately. Terrell sitting right there was able to step up with another buddy of our Doug and fight the two on two. And uh, to me, it was a legendary match. I wish we had video. I changed my camera crew, which was a horrible decision. I regret the hell of it. I wish I would have catch. I would have kept with the Williamson brothers. I totally botched that one and hired this new crew. Yeah, that, Wes and yeah, there? I, I should have. I screwed that whole thing up. And again, just some, you know, sometimes you get sidetracked and, and make some obviously there's several other poor decisions i made but that being said but these boys and again just people we knew stepped up fought on moment's notice and and salvaged a, a great thing
1: i remember that fight and that you know it was it was great it was good but but it was also like i was cringing a little bit you chaos. know oh sure it was, it was sure. chaos it was chaos yeah. at one point i wanted to toss Terrell a, a chair or a ladder or something you know <laughs> yeah. and uh Louis
2: Steele, I mean, and again, so we know all these guys at this point, and it's just, it is funny looking back on it. And sure, I remember that same feeling, because these are my brothers, and they're fighting, you know, ultimately. I remember
1: Doug's face. Like, I'm dead serious. I just remember this look on his face, like, okay, who am I going after now? who do I hit? Who do I hit, you know? It was different. uh, But that that was a brainchild of yours?
2: Absolutely. And again, it was just an idea we were flirting with, doing something different. And I really think had we progressed in the shows, had things (laughs) not gone the way we went, I can only imagine... Where was. we would have went with these ideas because mm-hmm. we were experimenting with the two on twos in the gym, you know, trying to find the the best kind of most, I, I guess, most entertaining outcome, you know, if you will, and, and that was that was one of the big sticking points for the two on two. There was finality. Once one dude went down, it was almost a guarantee the other dude was going down. Exactly. And again, we were flirting with different rules on, you know, should the fight terminate or not. And ultimately, what you saw was. Our first run at it, and we all just kind of... Only run at it. No,
3: only only <laughs> The run. one and only run at it. And yeah.
0: Louis Steele is one of those just tough dudes. Oh, he's tough as hell. He's, hey, uh, do you want to fight the other two guys? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And whatever. then he
2: cracked Doug and all, he he cracked cracked dropped Doug. him.
1: You can get a little bit closer, Terrell, yes, and, and turn his mic down a little bit, we go. Um so we don't get any feedback. But, um, oh, yeah, so what Desert Rage was that? Do you remember? I
2: think it was like 12, 11 or 12. I can't remember.
1: So 11 or 12? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the first Desert Rage, though, but who are you calling? In Yuma, I'm saying, because you have to have hometown guys. you got to have he, a reason.
2: You call the El Central boys I a called lot. I call the El right? Central boys a lot. They fight. There was,
3: was it 51, 50? Yeah, those guys. Um, they were, you know, there was combat, Ivy, combat, combat, grappling. There was two or three clubs out of Imperial Valley that we basically went to as a go-to in the early shows because yeah. Chance had his gym, so we'd take fighters from his gym, and then we'd match them against... More often than not, guys from the Imperial
2: Valley. Mm-hmm.
3: Like those guys p- are
2: like Yuma. They they fight out there. They're tough guys, and they're they're ready to throw down a moment's notice. So it's definitely yeah. a good match for us and them. And we kind of had a rivalry, but it was still uh, was constructive. Well, the thing that we did, you know, on
3: our model yeah. as opposed to like Total Combat and other people, we showcased local fighters like total combat would come into town and take one yuma fighter and, and they, they just it,
2: come to beat the shit
3: out of us they come to beat the crap out of us yeah. and bring all these san diego fighters that have been training for 10 years and try to beat up you know yuma kids that have been training in their garage for 6 months and then make a show out of they it make and a show out of it so they got we, their money and so what we did is we took those kids that maybe used to be in their garage now they're in Chance's gym and they're showing you know, some skill set, and we'd take them and match them with guys in the Imperial Valley because they were on a comparable level. It made for more entertaining fights,
2: mm-hmm. and, and just they- those few fights, experience with guys on your level, is the difference in getting these guys to another level without that experience we weren't able to get guys up and so that again to my brother's credit he was able to to figure out a lot of those matches make the right matches to give guys again so Kelvin gaslam's the perfect example we, we what, what what desert rage was his first he fought in a few of them but i don't three. know I, he made a cable three i mean it's no, those. i
3: think it was like eight or nine was, it, was against, it that long it got against mike gentile yeah. okay so that it, was, it was but was edgar garcia night.
2: fought in the First he, Desert Rage. Well,
3: he fought Mexicali, so that was yeah, like yeah, but three. Were,
0: no, it wasn't Desert Rage though at that time? It was
2: still Desert Rage. Okay. What's that, Mexicali?
0: Yeah. He fought Mexicali. At El Nido's? No,
2: I think that one was not Desert Rage. That, wasn't Desert that Rage. was not Desert Rage. What do we call that one? No, that that was another show. Was... Anthony took him in the dark night. I was actually mad at Anthony for yeah. that. But you No, know, I'm talking other... about
3: the one that was at El Nido Sports Club. No, that
2: one was, but we're talking about Kellen's
3: first fight. Oh, first fight, yeah, yeah. No, that that was his first fight with us. Correct.
1: Yeah. Um, so, the, you mentioned some other names. So, so, let's talk about other names that come out of Yuma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know uh, Edgar Garcia, right. Efren Escadero. Um, so, would, did they fight in yeah, Desert Rage?
2: All of them fought in Desert Rage. E- Efren, Efren didn't fight until he was already established, but for the most part, he's one you know, Terrell coached Efren since he was in, you know, junior high up and-
1: So, he was already a pro. He, Efren did something very
0: similar to Chance. He ended up in Tucson Wrestling at Pima and when he was in Tucson he ended up in a place just I'm going to show up here and it turns out everybody one of the, every one of those guys ended up in the UFC that was in this garage gym Drew Fickett yeah Drew, Drew Fickett, Fickett Joe Fickett. Diesel Riggs yeah. and then uh yeah and then Danny Martinez um Seth Buzinski
2: they're all from this little enclave of studs and effort and fought with those and again just mm-hmm. by circumstance we wrestlers tend to gravitate towards people who can challenge them and that's how we knew. That's how we all got good at wrestling. You go towards where people are competitive. You know?
1: So, even these guys that have left Yuma going after their own challenges come back and fought in your. Um, Kane Velasquez, though? Uh-huh. No, no. He, he no. was too big to. Yeah. He was already big, yeah, by, by, big. by that point. Yeah. But, yeah. but
3: you can't. I mean, and, he was in and the maybe UFC on, on his third fight. Yeah, he, he was, was too, UFC in his third fight because he was a heavyweight. There was, at that time, the division there. wasn't very tough. But even Kane, like, if you have to go back, I'm sure Kane was still. Uh, you know, motivated or from Desert Rage. I mean, he was a kid back then, wasn't he? Yeah, so, sure. I mean, it, it at least had to open his eyes to say, "Man, Yuma I can do fires. MMA yeah. too." So it's not like he'd never heard of it and then just went and did his own thing. I think that kind of maybe opened the door to him too, so, in a certain way.
1: So, you're saying, kid? So, what was the first Desert Rage? What year? I think it was 2007. 2007. So he would have been about 27, 28, so, 25 no, Around it was there.
2: Before oh, that. Way, way before that. You're right. It was in 2000. Six,
3: no, you were fighting the u f c already no. i mean uh w c didn't we have it before that mm
2: mm-hmm. No, He's we had, we did we did have before that yes, but it was only a short window before. That. I think it was in two thousand six. Okay, okay, two thousand six. six. <laughs> so anyway, what year did
0: he graduate? Came K- came K- K- was in college at the time we started. He was finishing up. He was uh, wrestling his his uh, last senior. He year.
2: never came back to Yuma. So yeah,
1: yeah, I went to high school with him, so I, I kind of remember him wrestling in high school just, he just pretty went fun. To
0: AKA right afterwards. He had it set up through his coaches to go to AKA, and that's exactly where he went right after he graduated
1: college. But like a, like you said, he was probably familiar. With Desert Rage and what's going on in Yuma. And then there's also Aaron Simpson, but he came out from like the Welton, Tacna area, correct? Yeah, right. And, um, but uh, you guys were able to raise up these fighters. And obviously, the biggest name, I think, to come out of your uh, organization now is Kelvin Gassler. Right. For sure. Yeah. And this guy is, you know, I remember um, I was hosting the event at the Pint House when the first uh, Ultimate Ultimate Fighter, Fighter. the very, you know, the the first one he was on. And uh, I remember, uh, um, seeing the guy he's going to have to face uriah hall mm-hmm. you know i don't know much about this i'm a promoter i'm coming in and i'm just like oh my goodness like i've seen this guy knock dudes out on this show like yeah. this is going to be you know he's going to wipe them out i don't know much about wrestling i just remember every time i talked to chance i said no it's all about wrestling you got to understand like there's technique to this and then sure enough kelvin was a would you stand upset
0: He's the sure. last pick, yeah. Yeah, he was the biggest upset. Not, not for us,
2: but for other people.
0: For other people,
1: yeah. yeah people were thinking, you're right. Even uh, did on the show, I heard that it was a little bit of a. Um, he just got on just because they thought he was going to. He's
0: well, the yeah, last pick. You right. had to fight to get into the house on that one. That one you had to oh, fight. Yeah, and so, then they set him up right. against Keto Andrews. Yeah,
2: they wrestling. set him up to lose.
0: Yeah, 15 and three, a guy that was known in California. So, like, we're going to give this guy this easy kid. You know, it's 21, it's 5-0, and oh, so they give him Keto Andrews, and that was actually probably one of his toughest fights before uh, Uriah's mm-hmm. fight. That fight to get in the house was probably tougher than the other fights he had in the house. That's how good that Keto Andrews guy was at that time. So they were not expecting Kelvin to even get past Keto, let alone do what he did on the show.
1: Gotcha, okay. Could, could you turn the mics down a little bit? I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I don't know which mic it is, but let's turn them all down. Anyway, uh, so, but, but Desert Rage gave the people a platform.
2: Kelvin's last fight before the Ultimate Fighter was in Desert Rage against a guy named something Gentile. Mike. Who would, Mike. And, the, exactly. and this is another example of San Diego up-and-comers. This Mike Gentile, he was supposed to break out of the San Diego scene, and then Kelvin put an end to that. It was the same thing that happened with Edgar and another guy from San Diego that was supposed to break out into the UFC. Matt Lawler? No. No, no
3: it was uh, the um, Get fought in San Diego. Exactly.
2: America. And Edgar Garcia put an end to his career, and then there was <laughs> – Anyway, it's just it's it's an interesting thing when our guys develop a little bit. We're fine to take on those up and comers, studs out of San Diego, but without that little transition period, uh, we didn't do so well.
1: So, just on a technical, I think it's your phone, Terrell, that I'm picking up. Sorry, like um, just throw it something. Yeah. Can you get rid of that? I think that's what it is. Good, good deal. I saw there was a good case on it, so we're good. Um, Okay, so back to Desert Rage though, because you're grooming fighters after this. This is after your WEC thing. What happened to the contract?
2: I just let it go. You just let it go, right? Because I, you know, I started deciding that I needed to rebuild. I came back here doing other things. I start, so I took some fights in Desert Rage. I ended up getting knocked out by you know whoever, and. Uh, which then it took a year for me to get that rematch, to get that back. And by that time I had already sustained, you know, several injuries, getting old. You know, you remember I didn't, I didn't start fighting until I was 30 years old. I was already 30 years old when I took my first pro fight. So uh, the, the window was, was definitely closing.
1: The window was closing, yeah. so you're, you're, you have to change your game plan now, right. which was to train these other guys, kind of give them a, uh, a platform to express their athletic abilities. Correct. How was that change for you? Was it difficult?
2: I, yes, at first it was, but I really, I really um, found a lot more passion for that. It was almost like you know them winning was me winning, so that competitive side of me kind of you know was able to make that transition. I was able to focus more of, of being a coach versus trying to be a coach and an athlete, and so I, I really think that it, it helped me once I really bought into it. Once,
1: once you owned it,
2: once I owned it, and let let go of that other. That other drive in me to still want to, you know, fight and pursue my own, you know, goals. I, when I came to the, the realization that I definitely was over the hill, if mm-hmm. you will, and made that transition, I definitely think it made made me more well rounded and more prepared to, to be a better coach.
1: So now, now you're you're you're, you're coaching. Are you? Um, you think you're doing wrestling with kids here? I think I saw a picture on yeah, your Facebook. Yeah,
2: we'll, we'll always be wrestling. We're always wrestling coaches forever, and that's just giving back to the community the same way that other men, you know, gave back to me when I was coming up.
1: So, and it's what is it at, though? Where are you coaching at right now? Just to yeah, get Woodard, Junior of-
2: High, Cibola. We have a club team that we just started, Terrell Nines Yuma Top Team is, is the name. We're thinking about changing it. We just started it. But it's at the junior high level. We're taking fifth grade and up. And that's over at my sister's gymnasium, which is off 13, of Pacific Avenue. 1335 South Pacific.
1: Right. Okay, so if people want to get involved, they yeah, can – Yeah, they can
2: write me a Facebook message, and I'll give them the information. So, yeah, junior high level, we're going to win a state title. Uh, coach Terrell is going to be the head coach, and, and Coach Chance is going to be the assistant. And we're going mm-hmm. to do some big things, and we're going to make sure that this this town uh, went, brings back a state title, which uh, hasn't been done for a few years since Terrell won it. Uh, how long ago? 2016. Was 2016. So it's been a couple of years, and well, that's, that's a it just. P.
0: State. Pepe did a great job. Yeah, no.
2: Pepe and Summerton are unbelievable. They, they won the
0: Tucson State last year, school only state, and they did a great job. And they're always great people to have around. It's like, hey, that's a pinch mark. Mm-hmm. You can tell right that what they do in Summerton, like. When we go out anywhere else, we're all Yuma. But when we're here in city, it's like Summerton. what they're doing over there is, is the benchmark of what we got to keep up with. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they're doing great things over there.
2: Yeah, and you probably don't want to hear about the politics, but there's a lot of club teams in this town, and there's a lot of, of coaches who kind of try and, you know, there's only so many athletes, but there is a lot of talent in Yuma, and so we all try to fight over the talent and try and get the best guys into our club. And, and Terrell and I kind of doing our own thing right now has caused a little bit of a stir in the in the ranks because a lot of these – high school coaches are are wanting these feeder programs to feed into their their schools but you know Tara and I are only going to focus on what's best for the kids individually and of course you know those that is our focus so if this school doesn't make sense it, it doesn't we don't care what school they you go to. You don't care. We just want to help the kids reach their individual goals. They can go to whatever school they want to go to, and that's our mentality. But, but the these the schools guys are, care. The schools care. Those coaches that are more concerned about you know what they're going to get are more intertwined in their own personal agenda versus what is best for the kids, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and, and even which is not cool.
0: And even outside of high school, Chance and I both uh, uh, take time. He works now with Cibola, so he does mostly Cibola, but when he's not school-affiliated like I wasn't last year, I'd go pick up kids from San Squaw, Human Catholic, Kofa, Cibola. We all work together. It's like I'm not a school affiliated, so the best need to work with the best, and that's how I.
1: And that's work. just your mentality. And, that's and, just and your and if principle. To do
0: it, and if they're willing to put in the time. I'm willing to dedicate my time to make them be better wrestlers. And and I hope that, you know, some coaches appreciate it, and some don't. Some coaches want to keep it in house, and some coaches are like, "Man, I'm glad that this is going on because it's keeping my kid motivated," or they see a little difference. And it, it, these kids all have probably 10 coaches in their lifetime between junior high to high school. Mm-hmm. That are, and all of us are, I believe, somewhat integral and very different things. you got to take everything from everybody you meet, take something positive, and, and go be your own man. And, and, and I think in the end, it's we know you want to be a champion, so Chance and I really, let's help you be a champion. Or a woman, because there's a lot of girl wrestlers
2: now. And Terrell's the best, most dedicated coach in town, and he doesn't get paid, and neither do I. And that's the thing that's kind of a lot of these coaches who do get paid... Don't anyway.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. So hold on, wait. But, but you, so you don't get paid. So this is obviously a big passion for you guys. This, there's something beyond getting paid? Absolutely. It, it, you're giving back to the community and get a little bit closer, Terrell. Please.
2: It's the same thing with our fighters. We've never taken a dime from them. You know, of course, um, there has been a time where Kelvin won a big fight and kicked me a check, and I was just like, you know, I start crying. But I don't want anything from these guys. But that's I not just bad. want them to do you what you know they to do. to, but they right, said they to reach do what their goals are whatever their dreams are. Cause you know, we all have dreams and it's a big thing for, I know athletically, um, again, those demons never go away if you don't achieve
1: them. Mm-hmm. And so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about demons real quick. Since you transitioned there. Um, I, I remember, I don't know where I was. I was watching the news and you were on the news I, was, I was. for, for, for something that happened at a nightclub.
2: Right. Yeah. I got, I got in a, you know, it's hard to just call it a bar fight. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to get, characterize a little, get it. Get the
1: mic a little bit closer. Sure. sorry. Sorry.
2: Um, but you know again, I've never changed how I view these things. you know I'm never going to be um intimidated or threatened and allow somebody to um hit me and then you know again, that's kind of the summary of what happened um on that night. But to me, if we were in a bar, which we were mm-hmm. um, and I can own the wrong part of this, but in a bar, I play big boy rules, and if somebody is threatening to me, um I'm gonna defend myself and by defending myself means I'm going to use. Um, on offensive <laughs> in, in this situation was I threw the first punch. A lot of people are like, you know, what are you doing fighting in bars? And I totally agree. You know, I'm a 40 year old man. At least I was at the time. Um, I have a family. And the last thing I would want to do is get in a bar fight. Um, but at the same time, when the situation presents itself and somebody else is trying to, in my, what I perceive to be hurt me, I'm not going to allow that to happen.
1: So you feel a threat coming on. Obviously you do what any man would do. Yeah. That guy's day.
2: talking shit in my face. Exactly. I, I, I'm not, and I, think he's going to hit me which is exactly what i thought at that time i reacted to that um now whether or not i should have been in that situation in the first place i have to own and i absolutely shouldn't that's another been. question yeah, that's and i shouldn't a- have been you know in the in the, the hurt you know causing my family not worth it nothing was worth that but it's not my style to walk away i have to learn a lot about that and i had to search you know deep deep inside me on what where are those lines and you know kind of look take a look on what how i allowed that to happen mm-hmm. um But sure, you know, when when you look at the video and you see that, um, you know, the guy's transitioning a bottle from his left hand to his right hand, he's putting it down by his side, you know, essentially cocking a bottle on me. And I didn't know that at the time, but when you see that and then you want to call this guy a victim, you know, if I see a guy put a bottle down by his side across the room, I'd want to run across and hit him, let alone to be the guy in front of him. So, to say it wasn't justified is a joke, and for that guy to say he's a victim is comical.
1: But then you're also able to, tra- you're kind of almost trained to see this because you, you've been in real fights. You've been in there, so you know what I've when somebody's. I've stood in front pop- of
2: hundreds of men who are about to punch me. I know he, when somebody's. He's posturing. Me.
1: He's posturing. Exactly.
2: Maybe he was faking it, maybe he wasn't, but you he can't. Else, it's big boy rules. Yeah, he it's also big,
0: put his arm and pushed him back to it. Yeah, a few he, times, he did. Yeah. He
2: nudged me a few times with his elbow. He told me, you know, get the fuck out of here on at least three times, um, which, again, to me, if you're going to talk like that in somebody's face in a bar and you're surprised when you get get whacked you know again I'm trying to be somewhat objective it, do, it doesn't make sense to me but of course that's not his story his story is that I came up to him that I I kind of challenged him I challenged him over a girl which is absolutely
1: not true which wouldn't make sense at all I- you know, because you just because and you have other options that he doesn't have, but he doesn't know that at that point. You know, and you got to be careful because you don't want to just randomly hurt some guy in a bar. You you're did.
2: It will come to find out I was on his radar and so was Kelvin at the time. And sorry to bring Kelvin in there. But anyway, our our little uh, group of friends was on his radar already that he put in statements. So he he knew who we were. He ultimately didn't like that I was in his little area and decided to try and remove me. And at the time, again, I didn't like him trying to tell me what to do. Um, I wish I had just never inserted myself into any situation like that. And I have to live with that. But um, that doesn't mean that I can erase, you know, the things that he did. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pretend like he didn't threaten me. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't think he was going to punch me because I did feel those things. And those were real at that time. And I reacted to that by, by putting him down. but. I wish I wouldn't have been in the situation hundred percent.
1: And there was a like a little bit of investigation. You you weren't working for a while, I yeah. think, you know, at the time. I was time.
2: suspended from my job. I was working construction, you know, to make ends meet. And it's funny the thing about it, I was actually doing a restoration project and I met a guy who had just gotten a fight with him a month after me and I um uh, he had punched gotten punched out by the guy. Mm-hmm. So I mean this guy is He's clear, antagonistic absolute punk. Yeah.
1: Right? yeah.
2: And so that but that's the funniest thing about this. Not only did he the guy try and fight me. Again that night he he called you know the local MMA uh, fighters to try and get training because he wanted to challenge me to a fight all these absurd things and then only days later for him to call the police because he realized that. You know, he could start training for as long as he wants, and I'm still going to whip him. It, it just, it's, it's a funny story when you look back at it all for him to play the victim. But he's a smart guy, or at least he had some coaching on the best way to hurt me, and he, and he did. And he did. He got back at me in a very chicken-shit way.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's behind you now, right? The, the investigation, everything. Yeah, I, it wasn't
2: yeah.
0: until you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: he, hey, he said, yeah, no, we're good here. Yeah,
2: now. The, the thing right. is, what I was accused of, which was assault, never happened, and— there's actually a funny, or it's not funny because it is now to me that it's over, is that so the prosecutor elevated this assault to a felony assault because they said that he had fractured his sinus, which, you know, sinus is like a paper-thin bone or whatever. Um, so, But in the statute, like if there's a broken bone in an assault, that you can make that a felony. And so they, the prosecutor took the liberty of trying to present this as a felony, which made it much more harsh and much more difficult for me to, fight it it mm-hmm. took a little bit longer but you know again hindsight i think it just builds character and i'm okay with it um i definitely made some mistakes and i need to learn from it and...
1: you, you live and you learn you put it behind you
2: well i just learned that the society has changed a lot because i i really haven't changed if somebody wants to fight me i generally say let's fight but <laughs> okay so let,
1: okay let, okay let's move on but you're saying society has changed
2: I, that's just how i am i mean I, you don't have to it's not hard to get a fight with me you just say let's do it.
1: so let let's talk about that a little bit because you are if anybody's friends with uh, you on facebook uh, or either Ethan or you you guys are very um
3: opinionated opinionated yes Good there word. we go Good there word. we
1: go and, and and known for um holding on to your opinion mm-hmm. and standing a, where even if yeah, it's not we fight popular, for what we believe
2: in, and that—that's what I think all people should do. And I respect people who fight for what they believe in. And now it doesn't mean we're always right, but we will stand up for each other and for what we believe in.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so you would even on the flip side respect somebody that's standing up for what they believe in, Absolutely. even if it doesn't Absolutely. reflect your own values.
2: Absolutely. Correct. Especially if they can articulate why they believe the way they believe.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. So, okay, because I have seen some interesting posts, and even you hop on some posts, and it's just like, whoa, this is like, but I, I do see like if people end up respecting your opinion.
2: It's usually, you know, again, I don't, I try not to be political, but actually, I take that back. So, I, I do enjoy some political discourse, and I think that a lot of the debates you're talking about usually revolve around gun rights or freedom, mm-hmm. you know, and again, we're, I'm very. Uh, liberty-minded. I do respect critical thinking. I respect. I think that critical-thinking people cannot be ruled, and I'm very, you know, pro-American. So those concepts, if if you try and go against those, then of course I'm going to fight you.
1: Yeah. Then then that, again, intellectually on Facebook, just, it's going to elicit a response, <laughs> right? You know.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I, um, a little bit earlier. Maybe of I, a, I need to stop talking.
2: No, 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 no. Oh, you're good. This is good. Just give me your address
0: because I'll fight you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: no, but you know. That is the reality. If somebody wants, okay, we're done. Just contact oh, okay. Ethan Ferrer. I will do the matchmaking. <laughs> we got the
1: matchmaker Set right here. I got a few in me. Who wants yeah.
2: them? <laughs>
3: I haven't got all I got one left in me, so yeah. better pick, pick somebody good. Right. So,
1: so society's changed. So I, I just want to touch on that a little bit because I, was, I, I told you off air I was watching Kanye before the president, and right. uh, um, he's just like uh, gushing in front of Trump, and he, he talks about this power he felt when he put on this MAGA hat. I think that's how they said make America great again. Right. When he put on this hat, he said he felt this male energy of like we're going to get shit done now. And he said, growing up in a home where his father was out and you know, in married into a family where there's not a lot of male energy, that he felt like, okay, I put this on and now I got this rush and we're going to do things. And, and I just, I could um, relate to that. Sure. I'll be honest. I could relate to that from, because I did, I, three sisters, my mom, my dad was he was there but not really so i i know what it's like to and I, I'm, I'm not trying to kiss your ass but it was like chance was that male energy that i felt like wow this guy is saying what he wants to say he's not cowering down to anybody it's like could i be uh, like we're that we're
2: a bunch of alpha males you know and again we grew up around alpha males so we're all we fight with each other and but we again we try and do it respectfully but sometimes it comes off a little bit the wrong way
1: but i think that's almost that's that's partly okay because the first uh, promotion that that i was involved in with you i remember watching you go around and just kind of take charge and i didn't know how to internalize that so i i said and you probably don't remember but i was talking to somebody i was like wow chance is an asshole and then you're standing right behind me and you're like so hey so i'm an asshole huh and i was like oh crap this is like chance right here and uh, and I was like, yeah, I but I can be. But, but but I'm just saying, I didn't know how to internalize it. Like, no, he's getting stuff done. Later on, when I'm faced with these certain challenges, I, w- I I was able to reflect back and like, no, he was just he was in charge of a big promotion. He was just doing what he had to do to make this thing be a success. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, lots and it, of
3: people don't like assertive people. They you know, they, don't. they don't. They're intimidated by it, so they automatically.
1: And you know, get a little bit closer again they
3: villainize it you know and anytime you're assertive about something they villainize it and it's it's really shouldn't how it, be. it shouldn't be that way
1: you know and i, I just remember coming into that but there's a, like, a
2: way to treat people and i actually have gotten better at what you're talking about because i used to be kind of ruled by an iron fist type of guy and i i, I do i've i've adopted the you know you catch more flies with honey philosophy now mm-hmm. and i try and be a little bit nicer it's bees and i may have yeah, more oh bees with honey might see that's Got one of my brothers here. <laughs> Got it, um, <laughs> so anyway, I I try to be more humble. I try mm-hmm. to be more accepting of other ideas. And again, as with age and, and maturity, hopefully.
1: And, and it, it is age and maturity because somebody has to age and mature on the flip side of that as well. You know, because they have to like, and what, that's what I had to do. I had to recognize, no, that's just that male energy that I wasn't accustomed to. That it wasn't in, in my, you know, all growing up where I grew up in Okie Town, there, nobody had their father's. No. there there was nothing there was no father figure there was nobody like that and I, I'm being dead serious when I saw you Chance I was just like oh wow this is different what is this What, what's making this guy tick and do this and it's like I wanted to be around I remember I'd hound you like I want to be involved in this promotion how do I do it and I, I did announce some Friday night fights yeah, that you guys yeah, did and I sure. uh, I was a part of it but it was like a rush that I never felt before and I'm kind of even now coming into that male energy and 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 uh, it, it, it being able to explore it and I want to say one thing it does not um put down feminine energy because your wife is a badass correct she,
2: I, she, she is. definitely controls me
1: That's... You, you see what i'm saying because in the climate now let's talk about the climate in the climate now they think like if this this are we
2: still on the air <laughs>
1: But, but they think in, in this climate now that if you have this male energy, that it's going to put down female energy yeah. that you're, you're not going to have. But no, you're able to have a strong wife. I, I, I sent you a picture. I was in court this week, and it said Judge Aaron Farrar.
2: Yeah, my wife's a very strong person. I think that women in general are extremely powerful. And so I, I never want – I'm never trying to put any, you know, anyone, anyone's flame out. I think that we should all, you know, again, collectively be strong individual people. Mhm so I don't think of it as male female I don't think about gender roles my daughter you know this is a good example I have three daughters and they're all very independent very you know again they're they're children but that is the people that I'm trying to raise But that's what I'm
1: saying that's what I'm saying so I think the fear is though that if you do have this dominant uh, male energy that you would not want them but i was watching a uh, tape of your daughter wrestling uh, and it was like what yeah, you know she's she's, she's a
3: me. killer dude she
1: killer oh dude. my goodness killer how old is she 11 she's 11 and she's taking down these dudes and wrestling and just like you know or whatever i, I saw this one video like my goodness so you're able to be comfortable in who you are and raise even daughters that are comfortable in who they are. Yeah,
2: and that really is just an example of what I love about wrestling, which is all the life skills and the character that it builds, and it builds that confidence and the self-esteem. And I don't care if she's a great wrestler or wants to wrestle, but I'll, I'm going to make my kids wrestle for at least part of their lives because I, I understand the character-building piece of it. You know, these wrestling gave me everything I have. And that's how I feel. And so I want to make sure my kids at least have that same opportunity through wrestling because, really, I don't know much else.
1: So through the wrestling, <laughs> though, but no, no, no. That, that, that's fine, though. Because you know, they
2: play volleyball. They're on their own. Yeah, I don't
1: know. It's oh, that's that's about
2: this.
3: adversity, man. That's but, what yeah, wrestling, ab- wrestling teaches people how to deal <laughs> how with how adversity. How to handle that adversity. How to handle it. So you're able to li- teach these principles. and mentally. The,
0: the, the awesome thing about wrestling. Get a little wrestling. bit closer again, The awesome Charles. thing about wrestling that I've been able to be around is our coach, Coach Glowstreich, said it to us at different times, I'm sure, but he, he consistently said that when you get through wrestling, when you get to other areas in your life, you're going to look at the other people around you and realize you can do it better than them. And that's like wrestling will teach you the skill sets to survive in any other asset in life. You don't you go without eating. You can go, you know, I got a goal in mind and short term. And then the other thing about wrestling is when you start coaching, you realize you get so many matches. Like If you get 50 matches in a year nowadays, that's what you're doing these days, and sometimes in the off-season you're getting 100 matches, you get to go back to the drawing board and say, this worked. And then you go back and you work hard again, and then you see instant results of, look what happened when I actually put in time for two weeks, how much better I got at something. And you get to see an instant result from that, and then that could translate over into any area in life where, oh man, when I was normally playing video games for 30 minutes a day, I took 30 minutes out and I actually went and did something, whether it was write down my goals for the week whether it was you know read a book that says this is how you do something whatever it may be you know you realize that in wrestling it's now I'm going to go get a move I can't get up off bottom I'm going to go in the garage and I'm going to drill every day for 30 minutes just trying to get up off bottom so I can fix this and then you start seeing it into a match and going, oh look I fixed a problem and I think that that's what what happens in wrestling where you you just get to see that where no other sport I think that you get that type of let me apply something in the scientific method and, and then try it out. So often you don't get a hundred football games in life, you know, you don't, that just doesn't happen.
1: So wrestling is the, that thing that's developing character. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's developing character in these kids and that's your outlet. That's what you guys know. So mental you're like, toughness, physical tough, mental t- toughness, physical toughness, how to face adversity, mm-hmm. how to be able to, uh, what do I do in this situation? And like you said, they able to see the results of like, Hey, if this work ethic thing really works, I'm seeing A plus B equals whatever, and it's like it's coming to me already.
2: Right, and Johnny, that mindset is exactly, so we take that into the fight game, but also this is why I'm a big advocate of wrestling for kids is because you can take that mindset and you can transition into so many other things. You can apply that to anything, like Terrell's saying, life. This is being good at real life. That mindset teaches you life, where other sports, quite honestly, there's gaps. And in the wrestling, that mindset is imperative and that's why kids who wrestle they can transition to jiu-jitsu and in a year they'll be whipping the jiu-jitsu kids because their mindset has been ingrained in them to be you know to to learn to to apply skills and develop skills to to meet challenges and goals and um, that's that's real life not Fortnite.
0: And, and, and well another real thing about that real quick is is in wrestling as a coach as a fellow wrestler or as a referee even i can see and I know Chance will say it, You can see when a kid quits. You can see the moment in the match where the kid just mentally quits. It could be on a shot. It could, be, you know, it could be getting his butt kicked. But there's a certain time where a kid will quit on himself, and when they come off the mat and you point that out to them, yeah. hey, I saw when in your eyes you quit and gave up. On it. It's not about winning all the time. It's about never quitting. And the moment I saw that you quit with two minutes left in the match, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. You could have just saved yourself and saved your character and actually came off the mat as a winner, even though you lost and got your butt kicked, knowing that you never quit. So next time you go out on that mat, that's what I want from you. And you get kids to start focusing on that psychology as well, and that really translates over. And, and that resonates with me because I've watched my, I watch videos
2: of myself quitting and going, you know, but again, my quitting is just you're mentally shut down. You, you know, you're not processing, to, you're, not, you're not still trying to win you're not trying to win anymore and that's survive exactly and that's the equivalent of quitting and it's it's a harsh word but it is and if you face it you will you will get better and unfortunately for me i didn't start thinking in these terms or didn't have the right people calling me out on certain aspects of my life that um you know, I'm able to look back on. See, that.
1: you say the, the, the word unfortunate. I don't think it's unfortunate. And that's yeah. kind of why I started this podcast. It's are we where yet? Because I think you were being groomed to be a mentor for these people because the, like there's it. not mentors these days. I'm be, I'm, there was nobody for me to look up to. I'm being honest with you. Right now I have my mentor. Um, I wouldn't be here without him Is Chris Tortorici. I'm going to get him on here one day. And he taught me, he's like, no, that male energy, that thing you're feeling, that's a good thing. Keep that Own that. And, um, he he said, there's no more shamans. There's no more of these people in in society that was able to kind of lay down their thing and it's like, uh, and be able to give it to somebody else. Like, Oh no, now it's your thing. Now this is going to be your thing and everything I went through, I'm going to give it back. So I think that's exactly what you were being groomed to be, to be that. And the fullest expression of that. You see what I'm saying? Because you're saying, no, I I I mean, it, heartfelt, that's why I wanted to get you on it because it's like. Society needs that they need exactly that because your trials, your tribulations, everything you learned on and off the mat is going now into Kelvin, and these young kids your your, your kids the, the kids at Woodard i think that 's where' you, you, another place you're you 're at now they 're being able to internalize all of that in a small fraction of time, and they're I love what he said he 's talking about I could see it in your eye with the moment you quit, if somebody told me that like what kind of connection yeah. freaky thing is going and on here calls them
2: out on it and it's the best thing for them to to point it out so they learn those lessons early
1: because then they can think like oh, i did quit at that time how did exactly. he know exactly. and then so it's like what do i need to do next time and now there's a deeper level of what winning is winning is not quitting right. you're not going to win every battle but you're going to win something inside of yourself
2: but, yeah. you're not going to lose if you don't yeah. quit losing happens but quitting unacceptable
1: Losing happens, but quitting is unacceptable. I like that. Yeah, so it, it, like I said, that's why I started this podcast. And you're going to continue on, right? There, this, there, for well, this is
2: what I love to do. I mean, again, wrestling and, and fighting, and, and those are just things that I, I'm never going to stop doing. Ch- Chances, the, I'll be a part of that for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. which could be you know a week. <laughs> Chances <laughs> the epitome of when I,
0: I have, I guess, counseled certain fighters, when I see them coaching and I'll talk to them when they're still fighting and i explained to them i like that you're an assistant coach and i like where this is going after your fight career i think you'll be a good coach however i want to explain the yin and yang of something when you're an athlete you got to be selfish you got to care about your goal and you got to worry about your goal and you got to focus on that and you got to ascertain that when you're a coach the best coach has got to be selfless mm-hmm. chance is the epitome of being perfect at both when he was in it and he was trying to be the best in the world like he said no matter whether it was wrestling whether it was even an arm wrestling contest it didn't matter chance is always trying to be the best in the world that's always what he's always tried to do and that meant he had to be very selfish in those mentalities but now that he's become a coach he's trying to be the best in the world but that means he's very selfless he gives up his time his house his energy he gives so much he doesn't have time to focus on him anymore in order to be a great coach, he solely focuses on those other people and helping them achieve their goals. and That's, <laughs> that's
1: why I look like hell, by the way. <laughs> and so, but no, but the him that like he was talking about becomes them. That's right. The Absolutely. him becomes them. There's
2: one piece of that, though, that I think is, is missing right now. And he is 100% accurate on what he just said. But I think the team dynamic of MMA is so important. And the yes. selfish part of fighters is kind of a coach needs to still. Build a team of selfish fighters and a team of selfish fighters also is that fighters realize that their job is still to make their team better they're making themselves better by helping their team but that's kind of gone away since i stepped out of the since we all kind of stepped out of the gym game um and seeing what's going on in the mma community is there really isn't a team of fighters anymore there's no stable there's no guys really dedicated to something to building that
1: So you're saying, okay, that team here in Yuma?
2: Yes, that's what's unfortunate. And I don't see it. I I always hope I see it. I don't see it. And that takes a leader to do it. And I don't. I think we're lacking some leaders.
1: Okay, so hold on. So then, but you're kind of saying it. So do you want to do it? I I will do it. You will do it. I
2: will do it. But again, uh, there's a yeah. I things need to be right for me to do it. But this is never going to go away. And I have you know, a lot of aspirations to build, to build more champions. And I care a lot about Yuma and Yuma, you know, athletes. And we have so many that definitely make, that's their dream. So why wouldn't I want to be a part of helping them achieve that?
1: Yeah. And uh, when we, I saw you, we were watching uh, the uh, McGregor, could be provide at the same location? And you said that you have plans on maybe opening up something in the future. Sure.
2: Like right now I'm coaching wrestling. We have guys doing jujitsu. Um, you know, when I sold the gym, I am, I give, I gave Yumi United uh, five years of non-competition, so I'm not going to open a gym until that time. I will, it, I will stick to that contract. But they basically have two more years to get it together, or I'm going to take it over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, just how it, that's why he's the best. Yeah, that, that, yeah the
1: just, he dropped the mic at that yeah, point, yeah.
0: And that's the honest truth. And chances the with always the general in this and he leads and he leads by example it, it like you said the male energy i think yep. nathan and i even nathan being the older brother and we all look we, we nathan is by far the best athlete and he's most, most intelligent of the family washed up no but Chance just has this male energy about him that's, we're all alpha males, like Chance says, but even with alpha males. Chance They're is still elite al- alpha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's the alpha male of alpha males, and he gets us to want to be alpha males when we're around him. And, and I think that—
1: So that energy starts to his com- permeate. And his and-
0: community Is benefited both in wrestling, fighting, and even just as men, like you said, being fathers and mentors and having people like that. And chance is to me the epitome of all those things. I get happen. choked up. Settle down. Yeah.
1: So, um, so but you w- you want to start something though? That, that, that's definite. We're going to. You're going to. It's just going to happen It.
0: It, it. <laughs> it just happens. Like the thing is, you, you when you are a person like Chance, like you just said, people gravitate to you. Chance opens up a building; people are just going to come in, and it's just going to build. And like said, it's very tricky to teach an individual team like wrestling and fighting and have them understand that even though you're being very selfish, you're still part of a team, and the mm-hmm. team needs to be collectively together.
2: We're all perceptive adults, and we see gaps in what's going on. If we want things to get better, we're going to either be a part of it in a support role, or we're going to take it in a different direction, and that's kind of what Terrell and I are doing right now with the club wrestling scene. We, we, we respect what everyone else was doing, but you know what? We have a different vision. We want to do something different, and some other coaches have heartache with that. You know that. To me, that's their own issues. But we are going to do, you know, what we think is best for the kids and for the community.
1: So do you see um, other Kelvin Gasolims coming out of this community in the future? Absolutely. I'm and sure. I think there
2: would already be some uh, had we not stepped away from the game, you know, out of necessity. And again, it's just my personal life, my my family obligations became overwhelming. And I just enough was enough at that time.
0: I Kelvin's. I luckily am just—I feel like a guy who gets to observe, I was fly on the wall, and just retell people the things that I saw. So Kelvin wasn't uh, necessarily the best wrestler in town, even when he wrestled here. He won a state title his senior year. He lost to the same guy from Kofa twice uh, his junior year. Uh, that kid was a two-time state champion. George Benitez, or other state champs, or other people who have come through. The thing about Kelvin was he said he had a goal. I want to fight in the UFC. I want to be a world champ. So on top of him being a state champion, doing everything else, which is great accolades, but there are also guys that we know that have done that. But he got in his car at 17 and drove to Phoenix once a month and would train with Benson Henderson, who at the time was a world champ, yeah. and just go train with him. And then a couple months later, he'd drive in his car and go train with Dominic Cruz and the people at Alliance. So he did things outside of what other people knew about like there's so much talent here
2: right Kelvin is special in a lot of ways so don't I'm not ever trying to diminish that but again we've seen what it takes for guys to get there Kelvin did it and he's a perfect example and what Terrell's outlining is absolutely true is that he's special
0: but, in his dream seeking so the, the work point, ethic and well, the, my point yeah. is is if the other people buy in and understand they could be right there with him. Exactly. That was what my point is. It wasn't that so he's so special that it's unattainable. It's he's so special that he just knew what he wanted and he didn't get caught up in what we all get caught up in Yuma, whether it's staying home or trying to go to college or trying to support your family or a lot of partying we begged we begged him
2: actually to get back into college and he said he just he fought us he said no i'm gonna fight and then we said all right we're gonna support you and And he was right huh and it turns out he's a genius
1: yeah it turns out he's right so you do see other people like that coming up and, and and that's the key what he mentioned it's this hey you're gonna get in your vehicle and you're gonna go train with this guy and that's gonna make you a champion you might not be the most talented.
2: Terrell and I were facilitating that, actually, what we saw with guys. We started being able to be in positions to take young up-and-coming fighters to, you know, these little uh, enclaves of, of tough athletes and to get our guys, you know, that type of competition.
0: The psychological edge of understanding that even though I'm not at this level yet, I'm not that far behind. And what we're doing in Yuma is really helping us. So let's continue doing what we're doing and come back and retest ourselves. Mm-hmm you don't need to necessarily have to be in the fight to realize that you can fight with these but guys but
2: that's the selfless part of coaches that's lacking right now my in my opinion no offense to anyone in the MMA community in this town because there's some good coaches but they are not developing these guys to that next level because Okay. I don't really so, so
1: you're saying yeah. selfless, but and, so then I, I just about themselves. Still, yeah, we're, we're going to be wrapping up here soon. But so when you say MMA, so um, I think you mentioned jujitsu and wrestling so far. But there's other. There's judo. Post, there's yeah. boxing. Muay thai. Muay thai. Muay Thai. But you guys specialize in wrestling, and that's it, or well, wrestling I think that through
2: the years. You know, I've been proficient in pretty much all all aspects of the sport. But it took a lot of years and a lot of, uh, you know, again, stepping away uh, from the athlete side and trying to be a coach and recognizing that I need to be able to teach, you know, an adequate level of every one of these skill sets to be a well-rounded coach. I need to understand, you know, different strategies on our feet, striking-wise,
0: wrestling, course mm-hmm. of course, the transition period, and then grappling on the ground. Right? Yeah, chances mid game is is improving uh, drastically. He, he, when he actually is holding mitts on a regular basis, there's very few people in the world that do that, but. Uh, at that level and and, but that's all from him getting away from being an athlete and like you said being a coach and saying what can i do he watches film he studies he he understands the vernacular he he really builds a system when he's doing something
1: and i want to just touch on something because that's kind of interesting because you're saying selfless selfless with a coach so you're kind of studying these things with a selfless Intention. You see what I'm saying? It's not like I'm going to be the champion again. I'm studying these things still at the age of how old are you now? 42. 42 to give. So that's where that selflessness comes. I didn't know that. Like you, you would. You're still going to learn new things. I have to.
0: We got the game is evolving constantly. We got guys that are scheduled as of right now that are supposed to come down from the Ultimate Fighter season 28 and the finale, and, and they want to work solely on the mindset that we set. And and the mental training, as far as it, and then the mitt work that Chance has, those are things that these people have realized just by being exposed to Chance for one week on the show. They went, yeah, I want to be around that. And right before the biggest fight of their life, instead of going to these big gyms which are now open to them, they're willing to come to Yuma.
1: Wow, can
0: be trained by guys like because they see it, and that's the thing it's but it's what he said earlier is they see also that you're being self listed you're not trying to say, "Hey, come here and give me twenty percent of your purse and do all these things. It's like, oh, you believe in us, well, then we believe in you. let's see what you got let's so, build. we talked
2: about the mindset earlier, it's either you're every day you're either getting better or you're getting worse. So we're always trying to evolve and just get just last night, you know, I was talking to a fighter, we were talking about holding mitts and as a coach, I am trying to get better not only at holding mitts but philosophically on how to put ownership on that selfish athlete and saying you need to to decide what are your top five combinations? I'll hold them for you, but I want you to pick them. I don't just tell you, you know, I'll give you my basic warm-up, our fundamentals. We'll always, you know, we'll always practice what we're good at. But we need to train in, you know, what we're not good at and what we want to get better at. And those are the things you need to, you know, you need to take ownership. Of course, I'll advise and recommend. But ultimately, I want, and again, this is just part of the process. It just happened last night it's just an example. But we're always trying to get better. We have to.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful because uh, when when I saw you, we are watching the fight, you said you normally always go for the wrestler. Right. Because that's your background. Sure, sure. You know, so the the wrestling. So the stand-up game really isn't your thing, but you're still improving on something that's not your thing because this guy needs it. Absolutely that guy that you were talking to actually in real life last night mm-hmm. needs this. So you're going to figure it out and you're going to even putting it back on him, take ownership of you tell me and then I got it. I'll go study whatever you need me to study to make you well, better. I just
2: don't want him to think that he's a zombie and I'm just going to, you know, turn him into something. I mean, he's going to make himself a champion. No coach makes you a champion. The athlete makes himself a champion. That's it. He has to do the work. He, of course, we're going to advise, of course, we're going to recommend, but ultimately every one of us has to own that responsibility of making themselves the
1: champion. Wow. So uh, we're wrapping up, like I said. So where do you see yourself um, going with this? You, do you see, like you said, more Kelvins coming out? You, hold on, wait, I want to, what does a corner man do? First first of all, I, I want to know. <laughs>
2: uh, well, nothing, so we... <laughs> nothing. We there, watch TV. No, so there is a ton of strategizing going into this. Now, how much of it is actually trans transfers into the fight, you know, it's variable degrees, but sometimes our corner usually it's the lead up to the fight and the discussions of, you know, the mental preparation and, you know, reinforcing strategy, ultimately but a lot of times those that those um days before the fight and the things that we discussed and the things we focused on that come to fruition in that fight are critical they're critical and again not during the fight necessarily because there is a kind of a, a little bit of just you're a cheerleader at that time okay sure but there is sometimes when we do make a difference absolutely and it, and it is it is fun and it makes us um feel good when that is the case but ultimately the fighter um you know they they've got to dance when it's time to dance.
0: Kelvin is an awesome. We, we've He's awesome. the best. He yeah. can listen. And we, so that's on. what I,
1: that's what I want to know because how many seconds is it that you have with him?
0: Sixty seconds in between the rounds. We have sixty seconds in between the rounds, and you got three coaches telling them things. So we actually talk about it beforehand what each coach is going to do and what they're focused on. So we let. You know, whoever is holding mitts, that person, especially if it's a stand-up battle, he's gonna say the whatever first. Chance says what he's got to say, and then I always just I'm I'm the brutally honest. Of my role is, hey, you lost that round, or you you won that round, and it's like we but we need to do this better. Hey, we're getting our ass on. Like whatever it is, my goal is just to be the honest, brutally honest. Chance, Chance's goal, is Chance actually he's the most amazing motivator. He doesn't even say much other than some little word or trigger, like, you hey, know, let him take your money.
1: And then, and then, no. then, <laughs> that's, then yeah. that's enough.
0: And that's enough. And then like people, it, it triggers in them. So don't
3: no. give this man your heart.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's just something, but he say, it, are you going to win this fight? That's
2: what it's, mm-hmm. are you going to win this fight? And then if they do say, you wanna yes, win,
0: yeah. go win. So it's like really at that time, that's all that it is. So like you can try to do all these different strategies, but there's not too much strategies that's going on other than, Hey, uh, you realize you had your back against the cage for three minutes, like dumb stuff like that. Like that's really all you're saying. Like, let's not gotcha. Like you can't, you can't make the correction, but as chance said, the week of the fight. That's where it's all happening. And Mm -hmm. that's where you're at. The week of the fight is when you're putting in these little strategies that you've had your fight camp and you're ready, but now it's just little tweaks of what we may, we're all in consensus that we all feel as coaches that have talked privately saying, Hey, we all believe that this is probably how the fight's going to unfold this is what we need to be prepared for and then we put Kelvin or any fighter in those scenarios during that week and then during the little warm-up or cutting weight like he's constantly in those scenarios without thinking so we, just, we put him in that without even telling him we
2: and, and again I can't tell you how many times Terrell's been right about a lot of these you know lead-ups and the things that we've kind of come to the consensus that we need to make sure this scenario happens several times before the fight and so in the lead-up you know while we're Drilling, we make sure that he is reacting to this constantly, and mm-hmm. it ends up coming out in the fight on you know countless times. Do you see why these guys are
3: incredibly awesome coaches? I, I, I get it. See, and I mean the going, dynamic, the dynamic, and going back to it, athletes, any any people that they come in contact with, athletes, kid athletes, children, athletes, parents, uh, they all recognize the way these guys light up when they're talking about what they're passionate about, whether it be wrestling or MMA, the athletes recognize it. the parents recognize it. So people gravitate towards these guys because they sense that greatness in them. Even if they don't know it, the parents do, that's why their programs are always successful. That's why they get the best kids. That's why they get the best programs because people want to be around greatness. And these guys have it,
1: you know, normally I, that's how I end the show is with, you know, where you see yourself, you know, it's, are we where yet? But I, 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 I can't, yeah I already see it you know I know where you guys are going the vision is obviously clear
3: Look at the passion when they yeah. talk and their eyes light up talking about kids and what they can do
1: you know, and I get excited when I see you guys on TV. Like I, I don't have cable, but I, I was uh, at a restaurant and I saw you walk in. I think it was a special episode of The Ultimate Fighter, this recent one that Kelvin's you know coaching and uh, you the smile on your face. I was like, "Hey, I know that guy. That's on TV, you know." And um just keep doing what you guys are doing. It's much appreciated for the community, even people that don't fight. I don't fight. I can't fight to save my life, you know, but it, it just that still that energy and seeing what you guys are doing for the community, Yuma Pride, gets me excited. You know, it, it does, and, and it, it permeates throughout the whole town. And I want to see you guys find that next champion. Go ahead, Terrell, I'd and well, closer again. <laughs>
0: I did want to say something earlier. We we completely uh, over it, still closer. We completely uh, skipped over it, but it, when we were talking about the female power and the male power and the male energy, I do want to say that they were raised by the yin and yang of the most feminine power and the most male power by their parents. Linda, you said you, you did gymnastics yeah. with her. This passion, I think, also comes from her and is instilled in their kids. And I just want to give a shout out to her because I believe she, if you don't know her, she's the strongest woman uh, I think I've ever met uh, as far as her work ethic, but she's able to overcome her mental uh, toughness. Uh, everything that she's able to do and i think that that's been instilled so even though this male energy permeates i think it still comes from having a good mother at home and chance consistently says that when I you have when, when you have good boys and your boys are strong men it's because there's a good mother at yep. home
2: i i'm sorry because i and thank you carol and of course i love my mother and think she's the greatest but her her here here's the my my, my parting thought is when the wrestlers when they're kids they show up to practice and then they're Mom is there and their mom is giving them a pep talk, I know the boy is going to be tough. That's awesome. When the dad's there giving them the pep talk, 50-50. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's true. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, my mentor tells me and teaches me, it's like, no, the yin and yang, the, the two come together. You, you want your wife, your spouse, your significant other to have that. Independent spirit, that 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 fervor for life, just the same as you. That's the best thing when they both come together. That's how you raise the best kids. That's how you do it. You don't put each other down. You just do what you got to do to lift each other up, and your specific gifts. So I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. And obviously, like you said, you guys both are strong mom in, in the house. And, strong
3: mom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, my dad's tough, and my mom is 100 times tougher than him.
1: That's uh, that, no, that's, that, that's really cool. So I want to thank you guys for coming on. I'll let everybody know how to subscribe and how to get to this episode as soon as it comes out. It'll probably be like a week from today, but um, uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, and I bre- appreciate you bringing Terrell, even though he get, likes to get away from the mic all the time. So we're going to have some f- fun times in the mixing of this episode. But, thank uh, you for having us. Yes. But, yeah, pleasure. I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully I can get you guys back on. You know, it would be cool doing it after um kelvin wins the championship right i did damn idea. skippy yeah because he's gonna win i agree we sure hope he, so. he's focused i believe he is yeah he, yeah he's definitely focused so again thank you guys and uh, remember everybody uh leave us a rating a review on itunes it really really helps us out and don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends if you like what you're here thanks i'm out